be continuing our series in the book of Romans, and um, if you are like me, you will think, boy, am I glad for Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 is a huge blessing to us. Um, if you were here for a previous lesson, you will, might remember who the hero of Romans chapter 8 is. The hero is the Holy Spirit. As we look at Romans 8, we see the Holy Spirit mentioned 19, maybe 20 times throughout there. And so we have slowed down our study, and we've been talking about some things that are very, very applicable. I need to let you know where we're going a little bit with uh, the few verses that we're going to cover today. We see an incredible plan by an incredible God that is, uh, we find a great detail of that in our passage today. And yet, with this incredible plan, it is something that is a little bit hard for us to receive. For the mature believer, you're going to see this and you're going to possibly accept it a little bit easier. But part of what God is doing as a loving father is going to be a little bit tricky and a little bit tough on our side. In addition to that, we're also going to see that we have an enemy the enemy that we have is one that wants to not only make us miserable in this current life, but he wants to keep us as far away from God the Father as possible. He understands, the devil understands that if we are saved, he cannot take that salvation away from us. But what he can do is he can affect the relationship. So what we're going to look at today, a good uh, theme over everything is going to be the word relationship. And a good question for you to ask is, how is my relationship with God the Father? When most people look at God, they have some kind of an initial thinking about their connection with God. Their relationship with God. Some people will think that God is very far away, very distant. For some people, God is very, very close. And then you have everything in between. When I think of individuals who are far from God and distant and even afraid from God, my mind goes right to the Hebrews when they were delivered from slavery in the book of Exodus. And you can remember, once they were free, God delivered them in, in a miraculous way. And once they were free, they said something very interesting to Moses. They went to Moses and they said, you go and you talk to God on our behalf. We're going to keep our distance. We don't want to get too close there. They were scared of God. They were very frightened. God was something that was very distant to them. Something that they did not have access to. And you might think to yourself, you know, I'm doing better than that. You know, I, I, don't, I don't feel like God and I uh, are that far away. In fact, God and I were on speaking terms. I spoke to God just this morning. Maybe even on the drive here, I was talking to God a little bit. You might be doing better than those Hebrew children. You might be on speaking terms with God. But I want to ask the question as we begin, is that good enough for you? Is just being on speaking terms, is that where you want to be with your relationship with God? Our enemy understands that he cannot destroy our salvation and so he wants to do the next best thing. He is going to work constantly at trying to tear down your relationship, the closeness that you have to the Heavenly Father. 
All right, all that to take us to Romans chapter 8. Boy, am I glad for Romans chapter 8. If you're taking notes today, just two points is what we're going to look at. Point number one, children of God have a new motivation. Children of God have a new motivation. We find this in verses 14 through 16. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Let's stop right there. It's interesting when we look at the different aspects of salvation, there are many different ways that we can study salvation, many terms that we use. Sometimes we'll say, I'm saved. Sometimes we'll say, I'm redeemed. Sometimes we'll say, I'm a Christian. When we look at someone who is a child of God, we need to understand that we come into God's family by birth. Perhaps you're familiar with the expression, born again. Many of you have been born again. And that's the expression we use to come into God's family, but we understand that instantaneously, when we are born again, God adopts us and gives us the position, not just of a a child, but as an adult child. Because when you look at your relationship with God, and you're born again, you're not like a newborn. You are able to walk with God, even if you've only been saved a Christian just for a day. You are able to draw on the incredible wisdom of God. You're able to draw on the wealth that God has. You're able to make decisions with wonderful help. You're able to speak. And a baby cannot do those things. So you, if you are born again, you've been adopted into God's family. Now we read in verse 14 that expression, the leading of the Holy Spirit. And that's a repeated theme throughout the scriptures. And that's a wonderful blessing for us to know that, that we're being led by the Holy Spirit. Not too long ago, I was speaking uh, to a group of graduates in Lapeer here, and we were asked to give a Bible encouragement. And so uh, the verses that I spoke about were Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which many of you are familiar with. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. The leading of God is a common theme, and if you're like me, you are so thankful that you are not on your own in this world. But we have a higher power. We have a God who knows everything, who cares about us, and is leading us. And yet, I have found that some people will take a verse like Romans 8, 14, that we're supposed to be led by God. And some people will, if I can give my opinion of it, they will abuse that verse. They'll use it in a way that serves their own purpose. And here's what I mean by that. There are some folks who have learned this phrase, I'm being led by God, or I don't feel led by God. And some people will use that. And what they'll do is instead of saying, I don't care, or I don't want to, they'll say, you know, I don't feel led by God to do that. I don't think that God is leading me to go and to do that. Now, I'm not saying God wouldn't be leading somebody that direction, but be very, very careful with this. You need to have the leading of God as an important part of your life and decisions that you are making. 
And so, do, and so don't take this as something that is used in a flippant way. We see this idea of adoption. And let me go ahead and give you some help when you're outside of a setting like this. It is common that I will hear somebody say, uh, we're all God's children. You might hear somebody out in the world or maybe someone speaking um, in public somewhere or in a program and they'll say, well, we're all God's children. Well, the Apostle Paul would say something to the contrary to that statement. When we hear a statement like we're all God's children, I want you to remember Romans 8.14 when it tells us specifically who are the children of God. Now, it is accurate for someone to say we are all God's creation. All men and women are God's creation. But the Bible is specific about who is a child of God. And so for you today, when you look at your relationship, a daughter, a son, and their relationship with a heavenly father, how do you feel? Are you just on speaking terms today? Or do you feel a closeness? Do you feel an access? My favorite movie is the movie It's a Wonderful Life. I'll reference it every once in a while because I think there's so many great lessons that we can learn from that. At one point in the movie It's a Wonderful Life, we find young George Bailey and he is facing a very difficult situation. His boss, who's the pharmacist, has put some poison um, accidentally into some pills and George is supposed to deliver those pills to somebody. He gets, the, he gets wind of this, that there's some poison in there and, and Mr. Gower won't listen to him. And so George needs to figure out what to do. Does anybody remember in that movie, where does George go to get help? He goes to his father. He sees a little sign on the wall that says, Ask Dad. He knows. And he goes to his father's office down at the Bailey Building in Loan. And as he goes, and he goes in the office, there is a very important meeting going on in his dad's office. He walks up to the door and he's about ready to go in and he gets stopped right away. Uncle Billy, whoa, whoa, whoa. Young George, where do you think you're going? There's something going on in there and you don't want to be anywhere close to that. Uncle Billy wasn't going in. Hustis wasn't going in. And yet we find that when he has opportunity, George turns that doorknob and he goes in, walks right past the richest and meanest man in town, Mr. Potter, and he goes right to his dad. Dad, I've got to talk to you. Dad, I've got a problem. In your relationship with your heavenly father, we need to understand that we always have access but also, that needs to be the first place that we go. You need to be very intentional about not trying to exhaust other resources before you go to God. God wants us to come to Him first. As His adopted children, we have access right into that room. Some people will think God is so busy, He doesn't have time for me to bother Him with the small stuff. I think that's a very funny phrase. I heard somebody say that once. They were talking about prayer. And they say, well, I only take my big prayer request to God. I don't take my small prayer request to God. And if you stop back and take a look at that phrase, and, and let's just try to qualify some of those words. Let me ask this question. What is big to God? Nothing is big to God, right? He can handle anything. What is small to God? Nothing. Nothing is different. God can handle anything. So he wants us to go to him with 
Everything. We need to have our first reaction be one where we are going to our God. This is a wonderful expression of God's love. Behold what manner of love the Father has given to us. What? That we should be called the sons of God. That we get to turn the doorknob and go in at any time and have access because we are his adopted child. This is also a great assurance for us in our salvation. We find here in these few verses the wonderful connection that the follower of God has with the Holy Spirit that is doing something within him. When we look at that, we understand that the inward witness of the Holy Spirit is quite possibly the strongest proof that someone is a Christian. I know many struggle with doubts about their salvation. When that sin comes back that you feel like you can't get victory over, or when the devil is having some success at getting you with your eyes not focused on heaven, not focused on the cross, but focused on your circumstances, or focused on negative things, it's easy for us to think that we're not a child of God. And one of the most wonderful encouragements for me, for you as a follower of Jesus Christ, is this inward witness of the Holy Spirit that is there. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons and daughters of God. The devil who hates you, and if he cannot have your soul, he wants you to be far away from your heavenly Father. Now when we look at different titles for God, maybe you have a favorite one. I do. When I get into a desperate situation, a critical time, there's a title that I will call, I call out Lord. I can remember times in the, in the past year where I have just repeatedly said, Oh Lord. Oh Lord. Here we find a title that is given, and I want for us to jump in and look at that a little bit. It's actually uh, the title, we, I gave it the title of the sermon these words. We're going to look at the words Abba, Father. We're going to look at this idea that the heavenly, that our Father, we have many titles that we use for Him. And I think that what the Apostle Paul is referring to here when he says Abba, Father, is he is saying that this is calling out in desperation. Look at your Bible and look at the punctuation that's both after the word Abba and after the word Father. What do you see there after both those words? You find a, an exclamation point, right? And so for us to read this correctly, we need to say Abba, Father, I believe when we look at the verses before and the verses after, that what Paul is referring to, we can call him Abba Father at any time, but I think he's referring to when we get into a desperate place. I think that he looks at us, and I think that quite oftentimes it's when we're struggling to become conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. You're falling short. You're not doing what you know you're supposed to do. And that's a struggle. Look at verse 13 of Romans 8. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. 
As God is growing you, what's going to happen is you are going to agree more and more with the way He wants you to live. And you're going to live less and less with the way that you used to live. The deeds of the flesh. God has a good and loving plan to stretch you as His child. I know this is a little bit hard to hear. Because when we think of God, we love the description that God is love. And God is patient. And God is merciful. And these are all true. But if God is a good father, what is going to take place is there's going to be a part in our relationship with him where he allows us to be stretched. The father who never stretches his son or his daughter is the father who is going to weaken them in this world. When we look at what God does for us, He is so good that He does not allow us to stay like we are. And sometimes that process hurts. It might be suffering because of our own sin. Like He mentions in verse 13, we're walking more like the flesh than like we're supposed to, walking in the Spirit. Or it might be something that God allows to come your way. But what God is to us is He is our Father And it is the Father who adopts us. But what you have today is you have the Holy Spirit within. The hero of Romans chapter 8 is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is constantly bringing an awareness that we are the children of God. And for the person who doesn't know God, but they're trying to be better and better, all they're going to find is it gets tighter. It gets more difficult to beat. Kind of reminds me of those Chinese handcuffs. You guys know what Chinese handcuffs are? They used to be made out of bamboo and you'd stick your fingers in them and as you would try to pull your finger out, the harder you would pull, the tighter that bamboo would clench on your finger and the more you would be trapped. That's what the person who does not know Jesus Christ is like when he's trying to change his life. But for you... As you are being led by God, and as you are being empowered by the Holy Spirit, it does not get tighter and tighter. Instead, you can turn the doorknob and have direct access to your Father. And He's there for you. And He will help you. Let's be clear about this expression, Abba, Father. This verb is used about 50 times in the Bible, and every time it's with a loud cry. And oftentimes, when it is used, it is used as a cry of distress. That's the words that we see. Now, we only find Abba, Father, used three times in the Bible. We find it here in Romans chapter 8. And then there's a sister book to the book of Romans, the book of Galatians. And we find the same expression there. And we find two exclamation points in Galatians 4, 6. Abba, Father. Help me in this time of need. We find it one more time in the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark, but we don't find the exclamation points there. But let me give you the setting. In Mark chapter 14, we find Jesus Christ is looking at the cross. He's very soon going to die and take the sins of the world upon himself in his sacrifice. And Christ goes to the garden And he kneels to pray. And he prays to the Heavenly Father. 
Can you remember the question that was asked by Jesus when he prayed to the Heavenly Father in the garden? Father, if it is possible, would you please remove this cup? No exclamation points when he cries, Abba, Father, in that verse. But can you see the point of anguish? Abba, Father, is telling us that our God is always available to us at any time and He has a good plan for you. Christ finished that prayer by saying, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. You see, a personal knowledge of God can be helpful. You yourself, when you look at nature, look at creation, and even look into God's Word, you can learn some nice things about God. But listen, brother and sister, what's going to make the difference for you is when the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. You might get to a point where it seems like everything else in your life is pointing you to the fact that you're not loved and accepted by God. And so that's why this is such a wonderful assurance, a wonderful blessing, that the Spirit of God, capital S, bears witness with my spirit, lowercase s, that I am His adopted child. It is a fruit of the Holy Spirit's ministry that gets us to this place where we cry, Abba, Father. And then number two, we not only have a new motivation, but for children of God, we have a new compensation. A new compensation. Now some might be thinking, okay, this sounds pretty good. A new compensation. This is going to be good for us, right? Yes, it is. It is good. But the road that we have to go down to get this compensation is not an easy road. I'm going to read verse 17. I want you to read it along and hang on all the way through as we look at this compensation for the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. Adoption implies these benefits are available to us. And you have to see, you have to see the genius of what's going on with the Apostle Paul here. Because we're going to get to the last part of chapter 8 where he mentions some heavy stuff. He mentions the sword. He's going to mention tribulation. He mentions distress. And famine. All of these things that you will face. And when everything else has failed that you could possibly hold to in your life, Paul says our fundamental response needs to be Abba, Father, Lord. God wants to get you. God is so loving and loves you so much that He wants to get you to the place where you can't depend on anything else but Him. And that's a great place to be. I know that's a tough sell for me to convince you that these tribulations and these dark days are good for you. 
Nothing is allowed to happen to you without the permission of our God. He's working things out for his own glory and he is working things out for the good of his daughters and for his sons. He has all knowledge. He has all power. And it does not mean that we are able to see why what is happening is happening, happening at that moment. And that's why we just sometimes call out to him, God, I do not understand, but I know who you are. Abba, Father. And we go right to him. Because what I'm about to tell you is a very, very difficult truth for us to grasp, and yet it is something very intentional that God does. Suffering in the life of a believer becomes the raw material from which God creates glory. Our God will be glorified. He gives you a choice of whether you want to be part of that or not. And if you want to be part of glory going to our God, it's going to, be, it's going to mean you're being conformed to the image of His Son, Christ-likeness. And that is going to mean, as we see in Romans eight seventeen, that means provided we suffer along with Him. I think it's suffering along with putting our old self to death, the sins. And I think there are other kinds of suffering as well. And these sufferings are the raw materials from which God creates glory. John Stott spoke of suffering and of glory. He said, suffering and glory belong together because those two words characterize our present age. Which word characterizes our present age? It is suffering. And glory represents our future age, the age to come. So this is encouraging. This is our compensation. But I need to warn you, it's not an easy road to go down. So the devil, he's got you in his sights. He's trying to keep you far away from your heavenly Father. And God the Father, do not resist this. Do not resist the trials that will come. And don't be surprised by them. 1 Peter 4.12 says, Do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. And then listen to what Peter says after that. He says, But rejoice. And you might think, Well, that's no longer my favorite verse. Rejoice when the trials are coming. Rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings that you may rejoice and be glad. Oftentimes our initial response when we're going through some kind of a suffering, oftentimes the response of people is, what did I do wrong? What have I done to deserve this? Now there are times that we are facing the consequences of our actions, no doubt. But let me challenge you to not first ask the question, what have I done wrong? Why is this trial coming my way? Instead, let me put it this way. It very well could be the opposite. When you're going through some kind of suffering or trial, it might not be that you're doing things the wrong way. <laughs> 
Brothers and sisters, our loving Father lets us go through stretching times. If you're going through some kind of a valley right now, it very well could be that you're doing everything the right way. Do not be surprised. And I know it's a bitter pill for us to take. The compensation is wonderful and beautiful, but we have to go through some suffering to get there. C.S. Lewis was asked the question, why do the righteous suffer? And I love his response. He said, why not? They're the only ones who can take it. And you know, Lewis was right. The Christian can endure suffering because the Christian understands that there's something greater down the road. You can go through a valley, you can go through a dark season, tribulation, you can go through, listen, you can go through death and still have joy. Not because you necessarily understand why all those things are happening, but because you have access to the one who understands why all those things are happening. And he is good. And he loves you. And he's working these things out for his glory and for your good. It could be that you're doing everything right. All right, what can we do with this challenge? A couple applications for us. First of all, what can you do? Call out to your Heavenly Father first in times of struggle. Please don't be part of that prayer that says, well, we've done everything now. All that's left to do is pray. Don't be that person. Be the person who prays first. I want to be that kind of person that prays first. I was taught this lesson in a unique way by my son a few years ago when we were working around the house and I had my, my uh, the, I was trimming the bushes and I had the cord plugged into my electric trimmer and I was, you know, cleaning the hedges up and making them look nice and working real hard to make them perfect. And as I was working there and cutting for a while, all of a sudden I lost power to my, to my hedger. And I couldn't figure it out. I looked down and the cord was still plugged in and I, I didn't know what was going on. And then I looked and my cord had gotten on top of my bushes and I had just sliced right through my cord. Had no power. I'd seen that done before and I swore I would never do it. And yet I cut right through it. Had to go get a different extension cord. Let's finish this job. Got a new one, plugged it in, got going, pressed the power button. Nothing. Nothing. Couldn't figure it out. Oh, well, we cut through an electrical cord. I probably tripped a breaker. Let me go downstairs. I got one breaker box in my house. I know right where it's at. Go down there, check all the breakers. Everything's fine. Turn them off and back on. Okay, go out there, press the power button. Nothing. I start to look. I start to search. I could not find what was going on. I remember now there are some outlets in the house that have their own little breaker. Maybe one of those got tripped. I go and look at all the bathrooms. My son's with me. We're going everywhere. We, I, at least 40 minutes I spend trying to get power coming to my equipment. And I could not get it. To which my teenage boy says, Well, Dad, did you pray about this yet? No, son. I didn't pray about it. I figured it out after more than half an hour. We prayed right there. Brothers and sisters, God is so patient with us. 
You need to have your first response to go to your Heavenly Father. When you're going through some kind of a struggle, when you don't know what to do, when you don't know what to say, call out to Him. Turn the doorknob, open the door, and understand that you can walk right past anything and God is never too busy to help His adopted child. You always have His ear. You always have His ear. There is never a time when He is not longing for you to come to Him, whether it be in a peaceful season or whether it be in desperation. And then finally, what can we do? Remind yourself that God's long-term plan is to train His children for glory. God's long-term plan is to train us not to have peace and tranquility in this present world, but He is training us to be people that can bring glory to Him in His life. And that will be revealed in a crystal clear way eventually. But in this present world, His purposes are not always obvious to us. To which we will say, and you can say this, why? Why God? And sometimes He will give you an answer right away. Sometimes we'll get three years down the road. I hope some of you have stories like this. You'll get three years down the road from a confusing season of your life and you'll say, oh, look what God was doing there. I had no idea. And sometimes he's so graceful that he allows us to see it at a certain point in our life. And brothers and sisters, there are some times when we are going to have to wait until we are with our Heavenly Father to see what He was doing. And I can promise you, just like some of you have been able to look back at a season of your life and seen the difficulty of it, and some of you have had the light bulb go off, oh, this would have never happened if this didn't happen. I couldn't have helped out this person if this didn't take place in my life. And sometimes it's crystal clear in this world. And there are some that will not be crystal clear in this lifetime, but there will come a day where you will see when we respond as God's adopted children like He wants us to, you will see glory being given to God. And it happened during that season of tribulation. But you might not see it today. And you might not see it tomorrow. Years ago, there was a teacher that was trying to teach her class what this idea of adoption was. And so she asked the question, does anybody here know what adoption is? And there was a sweet little girl that raised her hand in the class. She said, I know what adoption is. You see, teacher, I'm adopted. My mom told me what adoption is. What being adopted means is that instead of growing in my mom's belly... Over the years, I've been growing in my mom's heart. And I think that's a beautiful picture for us. You and I growing in the heart of our God. If you have not been born again, let me invite you today to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and become adopted into this family. If you are a child of God, I can promise you there are some difficult seasons ahead of you. 
And I can promise you that you should not be surprised by them. And I can tell you that God's purposes through that time are for your good and for his glory. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, when we come to you, we understand that we have that wonderful access. Thank you that Jesus Christ left this world. And when he left, he is up in heaven next to you. And we thank you that we have access to you because of that wonderful ministry of Christ. Heavenly Father, I would pray for these brothers and sisters today. I would pray that they would not be surprised when the struggle comes. When you work to make them less like they used to be, desiring to fulfill the flesh, and more like Christ. They would not be surprised when that's a difficult time. And when other trials and tribulations come, may our first response be to call out to you. We thank you, God, that even right now, likely with millions of people calling out to you, even during this moment, you can take all of those prayers and you treat each one of us like your very own special adopted child. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around, I want to give you a chance to pray this morning. While the piano plays through softly, I'm going to give you a couple things that you might pray for. Number one, maybe you're going through some kind of a tribulation. Or maybe you've gone through something in the past months or years and you've been so confused and hurt by it even. Let me encourage you to trust in God and to call out to Him. Maybe He'll give you understanding of that in the, in the next years. Maybe you'll have to wait till you get to heaven. I also want to challenge you to pray and tell God, God, help prepare me for the tribulations. Help me to not be shocked when these come my way. As God's child, this is part of how He's going to grow you to be closer to Him. The second area for you to pray for is if you're here today and you've not accepted Christ as your Savior. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. And the Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That means you recognize that you're a sinner. Jesus paid for your sins with His death on the cross. He rose from the grave and conquered sin and conquered death. And if you will just ask Him to forgive you, He'll make you His child today. Take just a moment. Pray this morning.